Welcome back, everybody. This is Arthur Staple. You're listening to No Sleep Till Belmont, the Islanders podcast from The Athletic. Today, very excited to be joined by my good friend, special guest, Rich O'Malley, who is the author of a book called One Lucky Fan, which I think a lot of Islander fans out there would really enjoy reading. Rich, welcome to the show. Arthur, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, it's it's a weird time for all of us right now, but I think um, <laughs> talking about a book where you visited every stadium and arena in North America that hosts pro sports um, and then gave your expert analysis and opinion on all of the fan experiences, not something that anyone can do right now, but I think it's going to be something um, when we all get back to attending sporting events, uh, hopefully in the shorter term, but even in the longer term. Um, it'll be a nice guide. I think a lot of people will want to be able to go out there and, and travel a bit and see some sports in person. And um, who better to talk about that than someone who's been everywhere? So first off, I just want to ask you, what prompted this? You were uh, you and I were colleagues 20 years ago at Newsday, mm-hmm. uh, part-time sports reporters together. Uh, you've had mm-hmm. a great journalism career since then. You were one of the top editors of the Daily News for a long time. Um and then you uh, you didn't really drop it all, but you kind of did to to go. <laughs> I think that's a fair assessment. Crisscross the continent to um, to check out every arena and stadium. What what prompted that? I guess. Well, so this has kind of been a, a dream of mine for you know basically just slightly longer than I've known you, uh, dating back to college uh, when a group of uh, friends, many of whom you know, uh, we all piled in the car and took our first road trip to. Uh, some Midwest baseball stadiums, and I think that's how most people who chase sports arenas uh, get their start, is by chasing baseball stadiums, because they are the most unique across the country. Uh, They have the most quirks and the most personality. Um, And then, you know, we followed that Midwest trip up with a full-blown across-the-country fiasco (laughs) after when, uh, you know, we graduated, and we got a lot more stadiums, and suddenly that started building into a, well, now I want to see them all thing. And, um, you know, I started picking up NBA arenas and NHL and a lot of football. I guess, I guess football was probably second to baseball at that point for me. Um, and, you know, whenever I would go to see a friend or a, see family or go to a wedding, wherever it was in the country, I would always check the schedules and, and see who was home. And so, you know, this was always a dream of mine to write this book. Um, and, you know, someday, you know, it was just a pipe dream that I had. Um, and when I left my job at the end of 2016, I decided, well, I guess that's what's next for me right now is let's go out and do this thing. Um, and so at that point, I had about 80 out of 120 arenas under my belt. And I decided to go get the last 40 in a uh, 41 games in 53 days road trip uh, at the end of 2017. And that's sort of the narrative that I think drives the book, along with telling you about my childhood and the teams that I root for and what they mean to me. I also take you along on a little bit of a road trip. And that's the thing that people now who have read the book, you know, keep telling me, Rich, you've got to pitch this book more now because people can't get out to see sports arenas and, and their teams. And so they're going to be fiending for this kind of thing. And, and it's I hope that people could live vicariously through my story when it's not available to them right now to see things live, which is a shame. But, you know, we'll get it back someday. Yeah, I totally agree that uh, it, people want to feel that experience. And I, and I have to say, just drawing it into the Islanders, um, as someone who does do a lot of that for work, uh, Islander fans travel really well. There's a there's a dedicated group of of Islander fans who try to go around and see different parts of the country and different parts of the the continent um, and get to different arenas like like you've done. And I remember um, you coming to some Islander games that I was covering back before this was this book was was still in the in the 
pipe dream stage. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and really for you, was what did you look for? I mean, I, you know, when you're in college, I'm sure your experience was a little bit different than when you're, you're kind of casting an eye for a book. But, but what are the things in your experience as a fan that make it a good fan experience to be at a game, whether it's a hockey game or a football game, baseball, whatever? So I, you know, I always look for, you know, the first thing is visuals. Is, is there something appealing for me to see when I'm sitting in my seat that I can't really get anywhere else? And, and you get that a lot more with baseball stadiums than you do with any kind of indoor arena. But certainly I like to feel that I'm in the building of one particular team. And I look around and I see like the Lakers are the best at this. They have the history up on the wall right there for you to see. You know you're at a Lakers game. The Celtics, same thing. There's nowhere else in the world you could possibly be even though you're in an indoor arena. Um, you know, on the other hand, when you have a, a football stadium like MetLife, which, you know, I tear apart in the book, um, and the problem is for me that you, you have no idea what team you're seeing when you're there because everything's gray. Like, yes, mm-hmm. on Giants game day, it's blue, and there's blue lights, and then Jets game day, it's green. But, like, it's all just a show. Um, and, and so the first thing for me is that visual aspect. I want to believe that I'm somewhere that I, I know where it is. Um, the second thing is fans. You know, I like to listen to... The chatter around me. I like to hear what they're saying. I like to hear how they treat their team. I like to hear how they treat the opposing team. Um, are they saying things that are knowledgeable, or are they just saying, you know, hit that guy on his ass? Like I, I like to, you know, try to parse. You know, are they really fans? Are they just dropping in for a game here? Are they talking about the standings and what this game means to them? I love listening for little stuff like that. And now drawing it in, we'll draw it in first to the NHL. Um, mm-hmm. What have been maybe the two or three buildings that you saw, whether it was in your your 2017 Blitz or over the course mm-hmm. of your life of attending hockey games? Rich, by the way, everyone is a Devils fan. Don't hold it against him. He's still mm-hmm. an objective observer. Um, what are what are kind of the maybe the newer ones, two or three that you're like those those really stood out, and maybe two or three that are from you know even from when you were a kid that you went to that you said I, I've always held those in in high regard. Well, all right, so let's start with some of the newer ones. Uh, I absolutely love the new arena in Detroit. Um, it's fantastic. And they have, what's unique about that to me is they have this sort of bridge seating, which uh, mm-hmm. Madison Square Garden also right. has. So you have this sort of bird's eye perspective that you can gain by looking down um, from above. You can't get that really anywhere else but the garden in there. Um, what else? Winnipeg. I loved Winnipeg. And there's nothing really spectacular about the arena. But the fans, man, they just make that place sing. It is so nice to see. Then they got their team back if they lost it, and um, it was just it was just a joy to like watch the whole town pour into this arena. You know? Yeah, yeah. There's not many joys to be had in Winnipeg, so I think that the Jets games are definitely one of them. <laughs> yeah, they look forward to those. They're a, they're a highlight of the uh, of the calendar year, probably. Yeah. Because um, the town itself, you're right, was was pretty small. Um, Places like, you know, Madison Square Garden is sort of home to me, even though I absolutely hate the Rangers. Um, I've been to so many games there. It's probably the arena I've been in the most, um, if I was thinking about that, because of the Rangers, but mostly because of St. John's. And I talk about them in the book as well, and the Big East. And I'm, I was at the Big East tournament every year. Um, so big college basketball junkie. Um, and I guess the Coliseum as well. I sort of have a special place in my heart for that dump as well <laughs> sorry um just because i was there all the time i went to college at cw post it was right down the road and we would you know whenever there was a game it's like hey i'm going to the islanders game sure why not so a thousand islanders games islanders devils islanders rangers whoever the hell was in town at the time and uh, got to know that place really well 
I have not been back since the uh, redo. I planned on getting there at the end of this season. That's not going to happen. So right. I'll have to wait till next year to get that. How different is it in your opinion? <laughs> um, it it feels a little bit like uh, if you took some of the the superficial aspects of Barclays, the the darker, uh, you know, lettering, uh, more yeah. modern looking things like that, uh, darker seats, and just kind of overlaid it on the old Coliseum. The one thing that they've done and that I hear from fans is the best thing that they did is that they didn't widen any of the concourses that were always so clogged and the bathroom lines are always so long. That stuff hasn't been fixed. But they took out some seats between the upper and lower bowl and there's an inside walkway in the the bowl so that you can stand and watch the game for a little bit. There's a couple of bars that you can stand and look over um, if you want to get somewhere like I do after the game. Or even you know, in the last few minutes of a game, it's much easier to to navigate around inside the bowl. So that was a, that was a smart. So that's kind of like the old Madison Square Garden used to have. Yes, exactly. Oh, I missed exactly. that so much there. That's that's yes. a nice little touch. Yeah, and it's a it's kind of a, a little you know, there's no food really in there, and there's no bathrooms, but it's but it's a way to get from point A to point B. That's always been very difficult to do at the Coliseum, right. as you know. So um, those are probably the biggest differences, and I think. Um, I think part of the appeal, and you've been around Islander fans for a long time, is mm-hmm. they're big on nostalgia. They liked, you know, especially since you did the book when they were in the midst of playing all their games at Barclays Center, and I'm, we'll get into right. that in a minute. But uh-huh. but I think I think the thing that not only the you know being in the city and having to having to travel there and not being able to tailgate and all those other things, um, there was a there is a homier feel. It's you know it's the it's a dump, but it's our dump feel about the Coliseum. And I'm sure that you felt that a lot going to all those games. Yeah, definitely. I mean, everyone kind of knew, all right, this is, this is a a sort of old creaky place, you know, where I can also go catch a baseball card show in the basement, but you know, it's it's our (laughs) hockey arena and we love it. And it's got the history imbued in it from the, from the big run in the eighties. And and right now as an Islanders fan, I know that they're Still clinging to those days and hopeful for a, a return someday, but uh, you know the, the Coliseum embodies that. Yeah, for sure. Did you get to any hockey games uh, in Brooklyn for the book, or and, uh, or was it just basketball? And what was your feeling about Barclays? Uh, unfortunately, I did. Um, I cannot believe they built an arena that was so poorly equipped to handle hockey. I know there was a lot of negotiations happening there and they sort of broke down and they they had plans to make it fully capable to host hockey and then and then they didn't uh, and i really think it suffered i mean i know you know the fans i know didn't care they were just happy to have it in the city and be able to make it accessible after work and all that stuff and that's great but sitting in your seat and some of those angles you were offered or just it was criminal <laughs> um, trying to keep up with the with the pace uh, of the game um, they just they, they really did a terrible job of that now that said, I actually like Barclays Center, and I, and I mentioned that in the book. Like for basketball, I think it's very intimate. Yes, it's very dark. Uh, yes, it's very steep. But again, they had to shoehorn an arena onto a city block, and that's not an easy thing to do. And the residents are not that happy about it either. But you know, given what you have there inside, I think it's a sort of you know one of those classic situations where the tighter you pack people in the louder it's going to sound. And even though, you know, Nets fans aren't known for their boisterousness, uh, I think it worked there. Yeah. And, you know, there were certainly some, some gimmicks, you know, the, the, the car down at one end of the arena that kind of made it feel like, uh, you know, a Slovakian, uh, league game <laughs> at times. Um, and then, you know, the kind of the one end, 
uh, you know, like the old America West arena where the where the Coyotes used to play, where you know the only other building really that was built just with a footprint yeah. for basketball and yep. not hockey, so that one end of the arena you couldn't see the the a third of the yeah. ice. Um, yeah. It took a lot of getting used to, and I know that um, you know I think Islander fans, like you said, a, a lot of them were appreciative that it wasn't the Kansas City Islanders or the Quebec City Islanders. So right. they were they were still happy that the the games were somewhere in the area, but uh, but I think a lot of them were definitely turned off by some of the experience. It didn't you know you say you want to feel like you're in a building uh, where you know who the home yeah. team is and you know what it feels like, and it never really felt that way. In Brooklyn oh no, for that the felt Islanders. completely like a rental. Not you yeah. known that you rented it. Yeah, yeah, and that was I think the maybe the the you know you don't want to call it nostalgia on that front because fans just want to feel welcomed and they want they want to feel like their team belongs there and it it was you know it, knowing some of the behind the scenes stuff the conflicts between Charles Wong when he was uh, the Islanders owner who made the deal with with the the Brooklyn the BSE people um there was just there were conflicts from from the get go about whether mm-hmm. it was you know, payments or um, signage or marketing, all these other things, uh, and it definitely bled into the into the fan experience. It wasn't; they were not really embraced there by the by the people that were hosting them, which was which was too bad. Yeah, and now you're looking forward to a new arena. That's right. That's right. And now, uh, in your expertise now of having seen all of these new and old and uh, run down and fancy and mm-hmm. um, what a, you know, when you see a new arena, whether it's Detroit or Edmonton. Um, I know you mentioned uh, Vegas too. You went to um, mm-hmm. those are probably the three for me. Those are the newest and the ones that have been the the best embraced. I think by a lot of fans and people who have been in those buildings. They have a lot of really nice touches. Not only touches yeah. that make you feel like you're at a Knights game or an Oilers game or a Red Wings game, but also you know things that were updated. Those uh, leaving aside Vegas, which is brand new. I mean, anybody that went to Rexall Place in Edmonton, mm-hmm. which I know you did. Um, you know, you, you really felt like you were stepping back in time <laughs> when you stepped into that building yeah. anytime after say 2001, uh, and, right. and Joe, Joe Lewis was the same. Um, so when you think about a new building, which the Islanders have coming in Belmont in a couple of years time, what are the things you think they need to be able to, to, to bring to make it feel like not only it's going to be the Islanders building, but also it's going to be something that's state of the art and new and exciting. Right. So, you know, one of the things I think is 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 uh, embodied by Edmonton, and that is when you're walking up to the place that, that there's a sense of history, even just walking into the building. So there's statues of the greats outside and they have the great one there, of course, obviously, in Gretzky. Um, and there's things in the windows showing you this, you know, the Stanley Cup. And, and you just start to feel even just walking up to the building before you even go in the door that. Yes, I'm home. I love that. And then Edmonton did that very well. And then also that sort of grand entrance hall when you walk into Edmonton is a really nice touch as well. It's kind of like walking into the the what is it, the Hall of Champions in uh in Yankee Stadium now. Right, right, right. Where there's this big grand entrance, and you're like, holy crap, this is a sports arena? Like, where am I? Um, so it's a nice touch before you even get into the seating bowl, because those often tend to be sort of samey. Um Another thing that's big, and I think you mentioned it sort of with the Coliseum now, is that ability to see the game while you're uh, on that first level and walking around. And yeah. the place that did this best for me was the new Sacramento NBA arena. Uh, I haven't yet seen it in hockey, but they did a really nice job of letting people be able to see the game while they're walking around that main concourse and picking mm-hmm. up their food or whatever they're doing. 
I think that is critical now for fans to be able to stop and watch for a minute instead of having to frantically run back to their seats. Right. The other thing that I think a lot of arenas, even the best ones, still suffer from is the damn lines in between periods. And this is really <laughs> bad in hockey, especially. Like, I mean, for as much as I loved Edmonton, holy cow, you cannot believe the lines I saw for the bathroom between periods. They were epic. They were fire hazards. And I'm like, how is a building less than two or three years old have this still going on? It doesn't make any sense to me. So being able to space out people a little better, I think Detroit probably did the best job of this with what they did. I mean, it's almost the concourses are so wide and so airy that it really feels a lot more like you're in an open space, almost like a mall. And I know that sounds like a negative, but I don't mean it that way. It's you're, you're able to really just yeah. space out and choose your direction. And there's tons of facilities and whatever you need. Yeah. Those, I mean, that I think will be the biggest change for a lot of Islander fans is the ability to just walk, you know, I, yeah. between periods, even if you're not using the can or, or going to get a pretzel or a beer, it just right. to be able to stretch your legs and walk around, uh, after you've been, you know, shoehorned into your seat for, for the, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes, it's, uh, it's an underrated feeling, especially, uh, sure. uh at a hockey game because, because you, you know, there aren't a lot of places where you feel like you can, you can find that kind of room. So, um, no, and, and things to see and do. I mean, I know that right. this is very prevalent in baseball where you can take the kids out and have them go throw a ball, you know, uh, see how right. fast it goes. That I know that arenas are a little tougher to do that in, but a lot of them are at least trying it and giving parents the option of like giving the kids a break from 60 minutes of action to like go do something else for a little while. Yeah. And I, and I do, you know, from the, the little that I've heard, uh, I do give Scott Malkin and John Ledecky, the owners owners, a lot of credit for, for going around, you know, um, John Ledecky is a very visible guy, uh, shaking hands and everything. And he likes to travel around and see the games, but I think there's a purpose to it too, that his team, um, has been to a lot of different arenas. They've had a lot of different consultations with people about what works and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. So I hope that they'll be able to put it into practice, um, whenever this building gets built. And, and I think, um, you know, the hockey is such a, at least the places that it's the most successful, it seems like it's it's the arenas are more urban. They're more downtown located. Uh -huh. They, like you said, they're it's an after work or it's a let's let's carpool. And the Islanders have never really been that sort of fan base. They've been a very yeah. tailgate. Let's hang out in the parking lot uh, for a few hours. More of a football style fan base. Uh -huh. Do you yeah, think that sure. a new building, being where it's going to be? can incorporate kind of both of those. They can get the, the, the railroad people and they can get the car p tailgating people. I mean, can you keep both of those constituencies happy in, in 2020, 2021? It, it's going to be difficult, but I think one thing that they could do, and I don't know if these are, that this is in the plans, but as much as I hated the new Atlanta Braves stadium because of a, where they put it and b the lack of originality that they put into it. Um, you know, they have built this sort of, you know, what I call baseball town around it, where there's mm -hmm. a couple of bars and restaurants, there's places for people to hang out before and after the game. And if you make it more into a destination than just going to a game in, out, uh, even if you have to sit at your car to have a beer or two, like if you give people places to go, they're going to settle in for a little longer. They're going to feel more like they're having an experience, not just going to a game. So if they can do anything like that, I think it would be to their benefit. Otherwise, yeah, it's going to be Zip in, zip out. When's the next damn train? Get me out of here. Oh my God, it's a nightmare. There's a thousand million people around me. Like that is never conducive to a good experience. It will always ruin a good game. 
Yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I've, you know, I'm, I'm always of two minds. I feel like the the city experience. I, you know, I grew up near Madison Square Garden. Just walk, being able to walk over and go to a game, yeah. and that the excitement of that feel of everybody walking up at the same time um, is is it you know whether it's playoffs yeah. or regular season. It always felt kind of unmatched. That like everybody's here for the same thing, and we're all getting here the same way. And uh, now that I'm an I'm an old fart, I like to be able to park my car close to the building, like I do at the Coliseum. Uh, right. Say hi to some tailgaters and um, and get in and get out when it's when it's time to go home. So um, right. it is it is tough to serve both of those constituencies well, uh, especially in the in the modern times, because um, you know they're trying to you know make that railroad stop at Belmont a little bit more uh, user friendly. Um, We'll know, you know, we'll see what that happens. And I, obviously, uh, the situation now that basically the world and the Northeast is completely shut down, um, right. what what things will look like when we come out of that in terms of the construction timeline, uh, what, whether the railroad has funds for that sort of thing. That's all stuff that we can't dig into now because the world is changing day by day, it seems. So, um, yeah, and I think sports will be probably slower to react than a lot of places just because of the intimacy of it and the people on top of each other and the athletes on top of each other. I mean, I think it's going to be a while before we see live sports again. Yeah. Yeah. So on that note, just leave us with, um, you gave us your favorite hockey arena. What's your favorite building to see a sporting event in North America? You, you've seen them all, you've been in them all, Mm -hmm. you've experienced them all. Just, uh, tell us what it is and why. If you're going to take one sports road trip in your life, assuming you are at all a football fan, and I am far less of one than I used to be, but still, Lambeau Field is the preeminent sports experience in North America. You can't get anything like it anywhere else. Um, The feel of that little town uh, on game day is like nowhere else. The entire town is the stadium. I mean, you go there for that experience, not just for the stadium itself, uh, which sure is old and rickety, but man, is it electric. And man, are those people really into it and so super nice. It's... (laughs) You hear it all the time. Oh, they're so nice up there. They really, really <laughs> are. I mean, a, a woman let me in her house to print out a ticket. I just knocked on her door randomly. And, oh, honey, come right in. Sure, I'm cooking dinner. <laughs> Sit yourself at my computer. Print your ticket out. Like, that's just how they are. It's how the whole town is. The whole town's out there cooking brats, parking cars on the lawn, and go there, spend an entire day, go when it's really cold, get that full experience, and just eat it up because you can't get it anywhere else. Nice, nice. I covered the... NFC championship game there and whatever it was 2007. And that was, uh, mm-hmm. that was a special experience. So, well, my friend, uh, this has been great. Thanks for all the, the inside info. And, uh, I think, uh, like I said, Islander fans, uh, you can certainly order books right now. And if you want to get that feel of being in a stadium that, or in, a, or in an arena that we can't get right now, one lucky fan is definitely your book. Rich O'Malley. Thanks so much for joining us. This was great. All right. Thanks so much. Take care. All right. That's all we got for this week on No Sleep Till Belmont. Uh, We'll be back next week with another guest and some more hockey talk. Hopefully uh, something good has happened by then with the NHL. Um, Keep our fingers crossed anyway. Thanks again, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.